the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And this evening, I want to do a teaching entitled, Lies That Satan Tells to People. Lies That Satan Tells to People. John, chapter 8. I'm going to first read verse 44, and then I'm going to back up and go to verse 30. But verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, verse 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Now, Father, for the next few moments as we look into this lesson, speak to all of our hearts. Help us to fall in love with your Son over and over again. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. We are all aware that the Pharisees were a fraternal organization that held to the traditions of old rabbis that lived before them. And their job was to pass on these teachings to the succeeding generations. And so they would say, Rabbi so-and-so said, and that would be the basis of the authority for that statement. But Jesus came along, and Jesus was teaching things that did not necessarily agree with the rabbis. So he was unique. And Jesus taught in such a way that he'd make statements like this. You have heard that it hath been said unto you, but behold, I say unto you. So he was showing that what he is saying is much more authoritative than what people had said in the past. And even if it wasn't uh, heard or understood in that way, the spin that he put on it was different. So he would say, you've heard in old times, it said you should not commit adultery. But he said, I'm telling you, if you look upon someone to lust after them, you committed adultery. In old times, you heard that it was said an eye for an eye. If somebody pokes out your eye, you poke out theirs. Somebody hits you on the cheek, you hit them back. But Jesus said, I'm telling you, love your enemies. So naturally, the, the people had problems with what he was saying, but the devil, of course, was behind a lot of these very traditional people. And that's why Jesus told them on one occasion, you're of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. So what then are some of the lies that Satan tells to people? that he told to people in the past, that he, he's yet telling people today, 
Well, you can see in verse 30, it says many believed on him. And then in verse 31, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. So, of course, one of the lies that people are told today is that you can be a disciple of Jesus without keeping his word. I mean, how many times have you met people that tell you they're a Christian, but they don't live for God? See, they'll tell you, oh, I own a Bible. And from time to time, I pull it out, but I'm just not one of those fanatics like a lot of people. But, you know, the scripture is pretty plain when it says, let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And the Bible says, if you love me, keep what? My commandments. So part of our, our duty and our devotion is demonstrated by our obedience. So disobedience doesn't show love. Obedience shows love. And when people say today, I'd be a Christian or, or I'm my own personal Christian. I mean, after all, you know, I'm a learner and I'm just seeking, trying to see what's right and what's wrong. But I'm a disciple in my own way. If a person doesn't continue in the word of Christ, they're not a disciple. The word disciple means a disciplined student, someone who goes after the word of God and they come up under the yoke of the word of God, and they allow the word of God to instruct them. Just like someone would plow with a yoke of oxen, you put the yoke on the oxen in order to guide them. So it doesn't matter that the oxen are a thousand pounds or more. Once you put that yoke around that neck, which is a much more sensitive part of the body, you can easily control them and manipulate them. So the Christian who says that they're a disciple and they take up the yoke of God's word, if they refuse to allow God's word to mold their life, to shape their life, to guide their life, it's improper to call them a disciple. Now there would be a lot of people get, getting offended over that statement, but it's true. Why say that you have an apple tree in your backyard if the only thing on the apple tree are pears? And why tell somebody that you've got a strawberry patch out there, but then when somebody goes out there, they don't see any strawberries? The whole point is, if you are going to describe yourself as something, then we should live that way. So the first lie is very simple. You can be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple. Impossible. What's the next one? Verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, what, what would the devil say about that? Because you find the same thing in verse 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you're free indeed. So the devil tells people there is no such thing as truth. The devil says there is no truth. The only thing we have are statements that people make that they believe are true. That's what the devil would say. He'd say, if, if somebody says Muhammad is a prophet of God, that's true. If somebody were to say that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, there are people who believe that, and they'd say, that's true. But a person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ does not believe that Muhammad was a prophet or Joseph Smith was a prophet, except in the sense that Jesus said, in the last days there shall be false prophets. You see, 
Now, our nation, of course, is caught up in a storm of uh, controversy trying to figure out how to use labels because we don't like anything that makes people feel bad. So anything that has a stigma attached to it as a description, we, we get rid of it. So in our, in our criminal court system today, if, you know, you can get online and you could see the, the registry of offenders in different counties in America who've done things that they shouldn't have done with underage people. And so traditionally and historically, these individuals were called sex offenders. But now, because the government doesn't want a stigma attached to these people, now in the criminal justice system, they're called youth that do sexual harm or adults that do sexual harm. And in the justice system, the people who work for the state of Nebraska and for other states, you cannot even use the word offender or criminal anymore. Because all of these are titles that lead you to believe that this person has done something wrong. Well, if they're in jail and they've committed a crime, then the description of them is supposed to be derogatory. That makes sense? So you understand and I understand that there is something called truth. And the devil doesn't want us to believe that there's anything called truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he is the one that we use to measure all behavior, whether good or bad. If I'm going to think about what the scientists are saying, I've got to base it upon what Scripture says. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The scientists say we can't put God under a microscope, so there is no God because we can't examine it. I say that's a lie. This devil comes along to say you won't know the truth because there is no truth. And then quite naturally, if, if he can lead people to, to believe that there is no truth, then essentially everything's the same. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what your background is, what your gender is, what your sexuality is. This is why in California and some other states now they want to get rid of, and I think some of them have actually might have introduced legislation now, to get rid of the term parent and just call the mother or the father the birthing person. Who would have ever thought we'd come to such stupidity? But when you lose truth, you lose ground, and you lose the ability to discern. And once discernment is lost and we're blind, then remember, if you turn off the lights, all the colors agree in the dark. It doesn't matter if it's orange, pink, teal or brown if you walk into a room and it's pitch black all of it looks the same and this is what we have taking place in our nation right now the devil has taken all of his paintbrushes dipped them in black there's no gray area now <clears throat> there's just only deception and he does everything that he can to get rid of anything that distinguishes. And he doesn't want there to be any kind of line of separation at all between what's true and what's false. Well, look at verse 33 of John chapter 8. So we've told you thus far, the devil, he says that 
You don't have to continue in the word to be a disciple, that there is no truth. And then verse 33, we are Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How say you, you shall be made free. Lie number three, the devil tells people they're not in bondage anyhow. They're not in any kind of bondage. So the man or woman that's addicted to porn, the person that is caught up in drug addiction, the devil doesn't want them to feel any shame at all by their activity, and he says that is not a bondage. You're free to do what you want to do. And this is why in states like Nevada and other places, prostitution is legal and has been legal for a long time. And other places want to see various kinds of drugs legalized because if you legalize them, they say it's all about the money. I'm telling you it's all about the bondage. They don't want anybody to be labeled someone in bondage. So even now, a person who has a drug dependency or a substance abuse problem, the government, very often manipulated by people who don't know God, they go out of their way to get rid of anything that makes it seem like it's a bondage. See, it's a bondage because the word bondage implies shackles and chains. That's what it is. If, if a man or woman can't go an hour or six hours without putting a needle in their arm and feeding heroin into their system, that's a bondage. See, it's a bondage. Now, there are all kinds of bondages, but I just want you to see that, that the adversary doesn't want anybody to believe there is a bondage. A person can be in bondage to wrath and anger. You ever met somebody so angry, had such an anger problem that you have to walk on eggshells when you're around them? Because just like a stick of dynamite, they'll blow up in a heartbeat, and before you know it, you look, there'll be a hole in the wall. And they'll be punched three or four holes in the wall, and you walk over there and look, and you just see plaster here and plaster there. That's why I've got to keep you guys out of our living room. Sometimes my wife may not always be so happy with me, but that's, that's beside the point. She says it's not a bondage, though. See, she, Okay, well, he, he, here we are then. If, if we know then that there is such a thing as a bondage or a snare or a trap, then we understand that people need deliverance and people need to be set free. I, I am utterly convinced that we have far more people in this nation full of the devil than anybody wants to admit. I believe that. And, and I believe that because of the kinds of things that take place. I believe that because of what I see in churches. I believe that because of what I see amongst preachers and what I see amongst lay people in churches. If somebody would have told people 35, 40 years ago that a man on the board of the church down there in Wichita was the BTK killer. Nobody would have believed it. But here he was, an elder in a church, and serving communion, and leading in prayers, and killing people, buying, torture, and kill, and all of that. So we, we understand then that a person can be bound and yet still act as an ordinary, seemingly upstanding citizen. 
Lester Summerall used to tell the story of Cornelius Barbarossa. I think that was his name. He was a man in Brazil when he was born, or should say in his mother's womb. While he was in his mother's womb, his mother being involved with witchcraft, brought a high priest over to that house and poured hot chicken blood over that belly and dedicated him to the devil. The story goes, and I've heard the testimony, and heard him give his testimony through an interpreter. He said when he was six years of age, the local um, pharmacists and people and doctors would carry him along with them to diagnose the cases that people had, and he knew supernaturally what was wrong with them. He could speak Latin when he was six or seven years of age said those devils in him continued to multiply so that when he was an adult working for the Brazilian government, said he was married and those devils so controlled his life that when his wife would be in the bed next to him in the middle of the night, she would just suddenly be pushed out of the bed and onto the floor and he hadn't even moved physically. And people saw him take bottles of glass, or glass bottles, I should say, crushed them up, and under the power of those devils, then just pour that in his mouth and drink it just like you would water. They said this man in the middle of the night, his own testimony is, he would come home from his high-paying job in the government and somewhere around midnight, run outside, run all throughout the city, stark naked, and then come back just before sunrise, take a shower, put a suit on, and walk right back amongst all the business people, and people never even knew he had a problem. Yeah. I had a roommate one time in Jordan who had been a... I think he was a radio specialist or some kind of mechanical engineer in Africa before he came to Jordan with me. So he was studying Arabic just like I was. But we were sitting there one night and he was telling me about being in the African country where he was formerly. And he said one night his roommate who was from Africa said he was laying there in the bed and he looked over there because he heard the African drums going in the background. Middle of the night, you know, a lot of people start playing that music for their fetishes and all of that. But he said he looked over there at that bed on the other side of the room, and his roommate had gotten up in, on all fours, had arched his back, and just looked like the tops, the, the back part of his spine was protruding through the skin, not through the skin, but pushing the skin up. And he said he was making all of these strange gyrations, and he said his eyes were turned back up in his head. And then he said that went on for several hours until that music stopped, and then that man finally laid back down in bed. So I said to my friend Bob, I said, well, Bob, what did you do? Did you get up and cast the devil out and tell him to come out in Jesus name. Pop said, no, I got out of there and came to Arabic school. I said, I said okay. He, 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 figured, he figured he'd rather deal with Islam than have to deal with the black magic and the sorcery. But, but you, can, you can see what I'm saying when I say that that's a bondage. Even in the book of Acts, it tells the story of Paul preaching in a region and the gospel message so penetrated that area that the people brought all their books together, set them on fire 
That's what's supposed to take place. Set them on fire. The devil says these folks aren't in bondage. They aren't in bondage at all. And you hear people all the time say, well, you know, just because people don't carry on like you folks in the West, that doesn't mean they're not civilized. I mean, just because people are half-clothed and, and, and people are, you know, involved with black magic and, and things like that, that doesn't make them less civilized. Well, I don't know what it makes them, but I know they need the gospel. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel in order to change behavior. So verse, verse 34 then, Jesus answered, and he said, Verily I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So what is another lie that the devil tells people? That there is no such thing as sin. Yeah. There's just what you do. It's just your conduct, your, your habit, your actions, your deeds. But what you do isn't sinful, and what you do isn't right, it isn't wrong. It's just what you do. Now, you know that's contrary to Scripture. The Bible says God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said to them, You may eat of every tree but this one. Stay away from this one. This is mine. You leave it alone. So they understood if this belongs to God and they're supposed to avoid it and they're prohibited from eating of its fruit, stay away from it. Now they had a whole lot of other trees to eat from and they obviously enjoyed the fruit of those trees. But the one God said stay away from, that's where temptation comes. Because with the commandment to leave something alone, you've now singled it out. And since you've singled it out, that's where the temptation comes now. Because why is this so special? It's like when, when the Lewis kids were real tiny, and especially Eli and Ethan, and, and, and were small, and then, then mom would make some cookies or something like that, and she'd say, okay, now stay away from these cookies. Well, you, you better believe as soon as you say stay away from these cookies, the cookies become targets. And they become objects of greed and lust. And the appetites are driving people to get over there because we've all been that way. The moment something is forbidden to us, then we're curious, why are we to avoid that? So the little kid is in the kitchen when mom is cooking, is over there by the hot stove. And so mom says, baby... Stay away from the stove. It's hot. It'll burn you. But you know the little baby. The little baby doesn't understand hot and certainly doesn't know what a burn is. And so the little baby, of course, goes over there to the hot stove, disobeying mom and dad, and goes over there and touches it. And as soon as they touch it, they go to crying and screaming. Now they understand what hot is. And they understand what sin is. And depending on which mom and dad, they not only know what hot is on the finger, they know what hot is on the backside. See? Right. So we understand how, how, how this functions and how this operates. The devil tells people today, there is no sin. So we say, okay, it's a crime in the military to commit adultery, even to this day. You cannot and should not commit adultery. A person can get in big trouble for that. 
but you step off a military base, take off your uniform, and you can commit adultery, and people will pat you on the back and say, you're just a good old boy. You know, everybody's got a little something on the side, you know, just to kind of keep them happy. It's not a sin for them. The scripture makes it very plain that physical relations outside of marriage, even single people, is a sin. But you know our culture, it dabbles in all of that. And it says it's not so bad after all. The scriptures teach us that lying and deceit is a sin. One of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness. The culture says it's not really that bad after all. So the devil is constantly pushing the envelope and trying to go as far as he can because he wants people to know there is no such thing as sin. Hollywood tells us that. And we're so confused about iniquity now that a person who is a woman who wants to be known as a man will will go about having everybody call them by the new name for the gender that they want to identify as, but yet the scripture makes it very plain that we're male or we're female. You say, what's the sin in all of that? Jesus said in Matthew 19 to his disciples, have you not read what it was said in the beginning that he, God, hath made them Male and female. Two genders. Two genders. Any teaching, any belief that tries to confuse those two genders is a sin. Any teaching or any belief that tries to diminish the value of those two genders, it's a sin. But the devil says in the culture today, it's not a sin at all because there is no sin. Well, you know as well as I do that a person that's trapped in the snare of sin, they oftentimes didn't see how they stepped into it, and so now they don't know how to get out of it. Just like an insect in a spider's web, the more they twist, the more they turn, the deeper they get caught up in it, and they can't get out of it. And sin is so tricky that the Lord even said back in Genesis to Cain, he said, don't you know that sin lies at the door just waiting on you to step in it and it will master whoever becomes its servant. So here we are. Yeah, here we are today trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. And, and this isn't just in the big city. As you know, this is in rural America also. When we first came here, I can't think of, of all the schools I was going into. I probably, after 911, went into no less than 40 different schools teaching on Islam and the Middle East, teaching faculty and counseling with students privately for superintendents and principals. I don't know that I had anybody say to me, we have someone in our school that is confused about their identity, and we would like you, Pastor Darrell, to sit down and talk with them. I can tell you in the last five years, 
That request has become more and more prominent. Uh, Pastor Darrell, could you come up to the school and sit down with this young man or sit down with this young girl because she is involved with a same-sex relationship and it's something that the school cannot address, but we can give you a classroom, we can give you a suitable location where you can be alone, and if you could just counsel with them, it would help us a whole lot. That's amazing to me. That shows you the change that's been taking place that started way down here when the kids were tiny. See? When I first came to town here, we had a pastor here that was homeschooling then. And I asked him one time, why do you homeschool out here in a little town like rural America? And he told me, well, one day my daughter came home with a book, and in the book it was describing a family consisting of two mamas and two dads. He said, we decided then we need to homeschool. Now, that happened before I got here. I got here in March. I got here in 1998. So think about what I'm saying. The, the, the issue of sin has been blurred and obscured and multitudes of people see no difference at all in one sort of behavior and another sort of behavior. But this book here spells it out clearly, folks. Somebody's got to stand for truth. Yeah, somebody's got to stand for truth. And, and I can see the day coming. If it's not already here, where if you work for the city, the county, the state, or the federal government, they'll not only check your social media pages, they'll want to know where you go to church so they can look at the what we believe statement there. And they'll call people on the carpet and say, if that's what you believe, that is not in concert with the government beliefs, and we're not going to hire you. Now, they're already doing it in California. I've got some friends, part of the Salt and Light organization, which is a good conservative Christian group that monitors policies and politics. And a friend of mine ran for a city office in her particular region, had enough votes to be seated on the city council. But because they had a new law that said, if you attend a fellowship in which you have beliefs that are contrary to the California state, you can be kept off. Can you imagine? The United States of America. Here's where we are, folks. The devil says there is no sin. And the people that follow him, they parrot and they ape everything that the devil says. Verse 35, the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Here's the next lie. He says Jesus is not alive. That's the next lie. Don't worry about Jesus. He, he died somewhere and he's not alive anymore. He's not on the right hand of the father. And he's certainly not going to be anybody's judge one day. And he wasn't the Lamb of God that died for anybody's sins. He was just a guy that made the Roman authorities angry. And he's certainly not going to return one day. So there's the lie of the devil. He impeaches the claims of the Gospels about Jesus. 
And he leads people to believe that what the gospel say about Jesus isn't true. So your grandma, your grandpa, who believed in the word of God, who trusted in Jesus Christ, they then believe something totally false. And the devil is telling one generation after another that all of that is just bunk. It is legends and tales. Don't believe it. That's the lie. You hear it on television. You hear it on radio. But you know the beautiful thing about the gospel is that the gospel reaches anybody and it's for everybody. And there's nothing that shows the love of God like the gospel. And some people who are sitting in churches now are people who in the past were vehemently opposed to the gospel. They fought against God. They fought against the Bible. Look at the lady who, who's the lady that helped get prayer out of school? Madeline O'Hare, was that her name? Something like that? Okay, so, so she ends up dying a horrible death, as I understand it. I think they put her in a barrel of acid when she finally died or something like that. But yet, she ended up with a, a child, I can't remember if it was a son or a daughter, who became a son, who became an evangelical Christian. Now imagine that. Your mom helped remove prayer from the school system, but in the best case of irony ever to come to pass in America, the son becomes a person that prays to God in Jesus' name. Oh, I love that. I'm telling you, God's got a sense of humor. Yes, he does. He, he, he wants to make us laugh, and he, and he does it every time he does things like that. So we, we understand that Jesus lives in my heart, Jesus lives in your heart, Jesus lives through us, and it's through us that the Lord is able to reach out and touch people. It's through people like us that the Lord is able to wear pants, wear a dress. It's through people like us that, that the Lord's able to ride on an airplane, drive a school bus. He's able to work as a cashier. It's through people like you and me that Jesus lives. And every day that the devil says that Jesus isn't alive, we know he's lying because he lives in us. Now, I understand why the whole God is dead movement started because, I mean, you, you as well as I do, you know the difference between going to a wedding and going to a funeral. And I really believe that church services ought to be happy occasions, much more like a wedding than a funeral. But, I, but I'm sure the devil, he goes into churches week after week, and he sits down on pews with everybody else, and he says, I'm telling you, this is exactly the way I want it. Nobody in here knows I exist. Nobody in here is thinking about me. They're singing songs that don't even glorify the Lord. And he starts whispering in people's ear, God is dead. Jesus isn't alive. And before you know it, people start saying it over and over again. But he's trying to attack anybody that is manifesting Christ and bringing Christ to a place of appearance in the lives of people. Yes, he is. So verse 36 says, if the son therefore make you free, you shall be free. Indeed, if Jesus is alive, then there's a scheme of re rescue or means of redemption and salvation. So that leads to the next lie. There is no way for you to be saved. Yes, there is. If the son therefore make you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, I would have loved to have known 
Some of the folks that I pastor, I would love to have known them in their before Christ days. Oh, yes, I would. I'm telling you, I would love to have known Susie before she came to know Jesus. I'm telling you, wow. Because the scripture says, to whom is forgiven much, does what? Love much. And Susie really loves God. Really loves God. But you know what? So do I. I really love God. I wasn't born again in the Sunday school room. My family was pagan. They were heathen. We didn't know anything about God. And when I became a believer, I was the first one in my immediate family to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And that led to another. And then that led to another. Then that led to others. So I can testify that when a person hears the truth, the captivating truth of the gospel really does set a person free. Yeah, it, it makes a person free. And, and when the shackles and chains come off just from hearing the truth of redemption, that I can be forgiven, that all I need to do is repent, that's a powerful thing. You know, a person can be born again and less time than it takes for you to explain the gospel story to somebody. Yeah. They can hear it, then they believe it, and then in a moment, their life is changed. Born again, a new creation, old things are passed away, all things have become brand new. And when the devil comes to us and say nothing has happened, we can point to verse 36 and say, Whom the Son makes free is free indeed. He freed me, and I'm free indeed. See? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yep. Now he says in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word is no place in you. I speak that which I've seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Here's another lie that the devil tells people. We're not trying to harm Christians and people that are connected to Christ. But the devil works behind the scenes, trying to organize things that put Jesus on the outside. See? Remember, our founding fathers came to this lovely nation when it wasn't a nation, and they wanted a place where they could have some religious liberty. Now, people say, okay, they took it from the Indians, and they go through all of that. Now, I even put an article in the paper a couple of months ago about this very question. And, and, I, and I wrote in the article, I said, I had a conversation years ago with someone in the South who was complaining to me about the Europeans taking the lands from the Indians. So I asked that person, do you believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God? And they said, yes, I do. I said, do you believe that what the Bible teaches in its origins and the creation stories are true to fact? They said, I do. 
I said, well, okay. I said, well, let me ask you a question then. The, the Bible says that God made Adam and Eve, put them in a garden. And then the, the lineage gives us the males that came from Adam and Eve. It says Adam and Eve had sons and daughters, but it only gives us the male lineage. It doesn't give us the daughters. And I said, it says during Noah's time that he lived long enough to see his own seed apostatize and turn away from God. And it says the earth was divided up just like the languages were. And it says the people of Shem, they became, became the people we call today Semitic folks. So you're Israelites and Arabic-speaking people and folks like that. I said in Ham, his descendants became the folks of Africa. That's why their African languages are called Hamitic. And I said Japheth. I said Japheth became the father of the people in the islands and the European places. That's why those languages used to be called Japhetic languages. Now they're called Indo-European languages. So I said, here's my question. Said all of these descendants that started here in the Middle East and then spread out had to get over here somehow. So I said, who was here before the Native American Indians? They said, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I said, maybe you ought to figure that out. Because if everything started in the Middle East like the Bible says, then it's very likely that they themselves ended up taking their lands from some people too. See? We have a tendency to believe that we can take the worst of our history, use it against people to cause them to hate the country in which we live. And that is exactly what people want to do. But the history of the world has always been one of conquest, subjugation. Conquest, subjugation. It doesn't matter what color, doesn't matter how rich or how poor. So the devil says, we're not trying to attack you, Jesus, or people that are aligned with you. And that's what they say on television. You hear these reporters, they'll, they'll talk up the virtues of Islam in the wake of 911, and then when they describe Christians, they'll call them terrorists. Yeah. They'll talk up Far Eastern and New Eastern religions of mysticism and say that it's good for you, it works on your emotions and brings release and peace to you. And then at the same time tell you that all Christianity does is brainwash you and make you a stressed person. We had one political party here a decade or so ago that when people, I think people put a sign up in the middle of it that said something about God and the people started chanting and shouting it down because they didn't want God as a part of their political platform or their political party. People are attacking Christ, and the only way they can get to Christ, they have to attack the church and attack Christians. They can't get to Christ because he's spiritual, so they have to get to his body. And the only way to get to his body is to find someone in that body who doesn't agree with their belief system. And they attack that person. And over and over again, people say, look, we're people of tolerance. We are people who are accepting of others, and we don't have a problem with disagreement. Garbage. Garbage. You see it over and over again. If you stand steadfast with the Bible and you teach the word of God, 
over and over again, you're attacked for what you believe. You're called narrow-minded. You're called provincial. You're called racist. You're called homophobic. Every kind of term you can think of that'll put you on your heels and back you into a corner. But when they tell me, they say, you're, <clears throat> you're just a narrow-minded preacher. I say, praise God. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. You better believe I'm narrow-minded. And the scripture says there are few there be that find it. And since you don't know where it is, I'm trying to tell you where it is right now so you can join me on this pathway. Yeah. Amen. This is where we'll stop at. But it says there... In verse 41, all of you do the deeds of your father. Then they said, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Now what kind of people says something stupid like that? We're not the product of fornication. Jesus said, if God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you can't hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, he, you will do. He's saying you have the spiritual genetic makeup of your dad. And I have the one of my father. And that's why we can't get along. See, we can't get along. There, there's no agreement between light and darkness, oil and water. There's no agreement between the true church and the apostate church. There's no agreement between right and wrong. And because there's no agreement, that's where the division is. Now, that doesn't mean because people disagree with me, I can't walk in love with them. The Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you and that curse you. So when I'm around people that don't hold my views, I don't get angry and upset and, and, and slam stuff down and slam the door and walk out because I'm angry. If they give me an opportunity to present my view why I believe the way I do, I'll present it. If they're shouting and yelling and don't want to hear what I have to say, some cases... I probably won't say anything. Other cases, I might shout back. It just depends on the circumstance, you see. But, but the bottom line is, my love walk is not going to be disturbed by somebody else's behavior. Because there are some people, if they get around people, you know, if they see a guy walking around with a dress on, I mean, that just, where they just fall apart. You know, they get all angry and upset. I'm not going to get all angry and upset. If, if a person is confused, they're confused. But if I ever have an opportunity to talk to him, I'm going to let Tom know that his name is Tom, and that's what Mama named him, and that he doesn't have another name, you see? But just walk in love. But don't be deceived because the devil is fabricating new lies every day. And he's going to keep telling them. He's going to keep telling them. And he's got people that are going to keep listening. And they're going to keep telling those same stories. Amen? Amen.